You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini. Hi, everybody. Sam Claiborne. I've joined. And Justin Davis. Scoop. We've got a great show for you this week. We'll get to talk a little bit more in depth about Elden Ring. I've been playing it all week long. I wanted to put a lot of time into it so I could really uh, participate in the conversation. I've even I've started two different characters, and I've put a lot, a lot of time to it, and I have uh, some thoughts. We're also going to look at the 1994 Electronic Gaming Monthly Game of the Year Awards. And there's some really good stuff in there. But first, after this week, starting next Monday, I'm going on a secret mission for IGN Mm. for two weeks. And I'll be away from my regular duties and I will not be able to host this show. But thankfully, as she has before, Tina has uh, offered so graciously to host in my stead. So Tina will be hosting the next two weeks of episodes of GameScoop. Please be excited for that. And thank you, Tina. Absolutely. Whoa. I'm going to wear a hat and everything. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm not, actually. I don't think I own hats. <laughs> um, I own a lot of them. You can borrow one of mine. Yeah, uh, come over. So, as I said, I've been playing a lot of Elden Ring. Sam, last week you were the only one who had started. Have you played any more? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I, seriously, like, I, I, I'm going to play more. That's I'm not, you know, trying to be mean about it i i want to play more i just like found every reason not to because there's a lot of other stuff to play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. justin i think you dipped your toes into it yeah i played for one whole evening and like okay. it was long like a probably like probably three hours mm-hmm. and tina how about you i have also dipped my toes maybe just one toe by comparison uh because i okay. played like two hours and I'm still just um, in a mentality of grinding because I assume that that is the natural course of action, especially if you're playing 
an astrologer as I am, and I feel like I'm playing on difficulty mode. Nice. We're both playing on difficult on an extra difficulty mode, apparently. Oh, I've but I've heard that's kind of easy mode though. Really? <laughs> I just assumed because all of the armor and weapons are kind of inaccessible to you early on that you've got this like earlier learning curve mm-hmm. to deal with. Yeah, but you can also kill things without them being able to kill you. <laughs> you can just stay it's away. True, from afar, yeah. It's true. But you have like, you know, only a few charges of, of your spells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on. you have to trade off your health for that. Yep. Oh, I'll be interested. Wow. interested to- to hear how you chose your starting class, because that seems to be a, a big point of confusion. Where, mm-hmm. what, what class to pick? I know it was for me. That's where I started. Um, here, here, let's just get right to it, though. Is this a Damie game? And is this the one? If you've tried <laughs> Soulsborne games in the past, is this the one that's going to click for you? And after having spent a full week with it, playing almost nothing else, probably twenty hours, I put in this game, uh, several hours into both uh, Vagabond and Samurai classes. And the answer to, is this the game that'll click for you, is fuck no. It is the <laughs> same old bullshit. That this game and I really that's, gave it the old college try this time. That's so, that's so sad. I mean, not, not like, I, I don't know. It's just as, like. As the saying goes, fool me once. <laughs> fool me, what? Demon Souls 3, uh, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and Secure. Fool me six times, shame on me. <laughs> so you wouldn't Second call it Damie Dam- Souls. Blame from soft. <laughs> I would not call it Damie Souls. Uh, and it's and, not without it's its definitely from Soft's fault. <laughs> I mean, up to those five times, the sixth time, different story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not without its merits. I like. I recognize there are just there are people that just like this, and there are just people that just don't like myself. Mm-hmm. So my experience was, you know, I had no idea what class to pick. I read somewhere that Vagabond was a good class to start with. So that's the first one thing I did. The first thing I think uh, you notice when you uh, go out into the open world is that it is not anywhere near as pretty a game as Horizon Forbidden West is. I think it looks like a pretty okay PS4 game, not even as good as God of War or Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, there's <laughs> Horizon has some of the best facial animations I've ever seen in a game. Dark or uh, Elden Ring has basically no facial. Yeah, and then, they kind of. They kind Same of, with dialogue. If you're comparing mm-hmm. and contrasting protagonists, Aloy, most conversational person, even post-patch. <laughs> and true. yours, just like a couple grunts here and there. In Elden totally Ring. silent. Totally mute. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know where to start. If, if I should list the things that I liked about it or, or the things I didn't like. Here's one irreconcilable difference Elden Ring and I have. is the fact that you cannot pause the game. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a single player game. I'm playing in offline mode. I made sure to do that so I could turn off the asinine messages that people leave everywhere. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with any of that. I'm playing offline and I can't pause the game. It's insane. I don't say this hyperbolically. I think it's unforgivable, actually. Uh, unforgivable. That you can't pause a single player game? It's crazy. We, we should add that to our scorings table. Like, two. Unforgivable. Uh, unforgivable. <laughs> <laughs> You've been able to, to like, Dan. 40 years of single-player games. You can pause your games. What For what what possible reason could there be to not let me pause my single-player game that I own, that I, I'm only using for my own personal entertainment? It's <laughs> completely disrespectful of the player's time. Yeah, you so can legally not- make a software backup, but you can't make a save. <laughs> well, I'm not really like a, a Souls person either, um, just because I don't like to be punished when I play games. I like to feel powerful, so... From a recent example, yeah. um, Guardians of the Galaxy is like the stark contrast mm-hmm. of a Souls game. 
Um, so I'm more Guardians of the Galaxy. But I, I, you know, I do still like, I played a lot of Bloodborne, particularly because there was some version of co-op element there. So I could get a little bit of support from friends who were more familiar. Uh, and that was easier to go through. But I guess the concept behind not letting you pause is inherently in pacing and combat. So you're supposed to rest only in particular moments. You're supposed to get to your goal, which is effectively like, uh, not a campfire. What are they called in Elden Ring? Yes, exactly. Once you hit a shard, like that's when you can pause the game, when you can take a break. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be, from what I can understand for people who do enjoy that kind of pacing. But yeah, I mean, all I've done is I crouch somewhere and hide in some bushes where I don't feel like there's any, um, any amount of people walking across me and hope that it's safe. But from everything that I've been reading from people's experiences of like, you know, I was just innocently there picking some flowers for some potion. This is actually from John Davison. Just innocently there picking some flowers and then a bear out of nowhere. You oh, don't yeah, even the see the suck. bear rounding, like just comes and slashes you. And I was like, well, obviously you were picking the bear's flowers. So that was really <laughs> your fault in that situation. But that said, a lot of people like that, that surprise effect of just like, oh, a pack of wolves fell down from the sky and killed me. People seem to really enjoy like there's a there's a humor to that. There's a surprise element to that. Um, not my preference, but I, well, <laughs> I'm getting that that's what people enjoy about it. I guess I would argue that is that if, if there are people that enjoy that, those people can just not pause the game. And then people like myself could pause the game. <laughs> Certainly, true. the developers can make whatever game they want to make. I, I would support you know any developer's right to make any game they want to make, any decisions they want to make. But when the game is in my hands, what the developer mm-hmm. wants is no longer of any importance. <laughs> that, that copy of the game only exists for my personal <laughs> enjoyment, and I should be able to play it the way that I want to. Well, this um, is what PC gamers get. They get to mod everything. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, I like the things I like about it. I love the creature design. You know, there's, there's got, I like, I like the moody, dark atmosphere. Uh, I like, there's like these definitely like big surprising moments when like uh, the first time the giant troll just drops out of the sky and lands in front of you. I think I audibly just said, oh my God, you know, just to myself. I like all that stuff. Um, what I, I, I did everything I could in like your sort of like starting area. I did all these like little <clears throat> minor dungeons that are around there. Made it all the way to the first boss, Migret, I believe, and just it, it, that was just a brick wall for me. Try as I might, I could not get past that uh, boss. But I wasn't trying to like level up uh, intentionally. <clears throat> so doing some more reading, I read that samurai was like a, a good class for uh, starters because you have this unsheathed technique that can one hit a lot of the enemies that are around in the starting areas. And then when I started thinking about it, yeah, samurai actually makes a lot more sense for me personally. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah. started over as samurai and I intentionally <clears throat> used IGN's guide for leveling, leveling up quickly. Uh, there's a way you can basically use a warp pipe to just warp to a way of far <laughs> away, uh, distant land that has high level enemies. It's a big open field and the, there's these enemies give you like a thousand what uh, runes, runes each. Yeah. And they're isolated and they're, they can still one hit kill you, but they just basically pace back and forth really slowly and you can stealth them all. So I spent a lot of time doing that and I leveled myself way up. I'm like, I'm in wow. like, I'm like 39 or 40 now. Wow. Um, and that actually did make a big difference in all the regular enemies back in the like starting area. Uh, and I did everything again. And then I made my way back to uh, whatever, <laughs> Migrant, whatever. I forget what the first boss's name. Anyway, still can't beat him. So it's like, I don't oh. know. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I, and it's I, time to move on to a different video game. <laughs> yeah, like I bounced back to Horizon the other night and I was like, 
This feels so much better. Aloy feels better. Just running around this world feels better. Everything is more fun, in my humble opinion, in Horizon Forbidden West. So that was my experience with Eldering. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to... I, I guess yeah. I could just keep leveling up and, and eventually I'll be able to, if, if I just spent the time to keep leveling up, I could one hit this boss if I wanted to put two weeks into it, I guess. I don't know. I did. Um, I did beat that boss, but I don't feel like it was because of my skill. Um, I have, you have a little summon that can help you out a, mm-hmm. a little person that you can summon to help you out. And I can, I, my character can summon wolves, these spectral wolves to help me yeah. out. So it's like, I have this little helper AI and I have these three wolves that are all taking aggro away from me and fighting the boss. And then you can respec your, po- you have to choose. Do you want like mana potions or health potions? And I put them all into mana and I, then I just backed way up and just nuked, nuked the boss. Like, <laughs> you know, it felt like, like I can't take credit for that kill at all, but um, I, I want to play it more. I'm just too addicted to cyberpunk right now. So I have to finish mm-hmm. cyberpunk and then hopefully give Elden ring more of a shot. But the diversity in the character builds is, um, you know, something interesting that like your experience and my experience have been so different where, yeah, frankly, like I, I don't feel like I did something like smart or good. It's just like, I didn't have to get up in the boss's face. Right. So, you know, just able to kind of squeak yeah. out a victory an unskilled victory in that way. That's another thing. That's a little bit frustrating. There are so many different classes. And like, if you're looking for help on beating a certain <laughs> boss, you may like go look up, you know, how to beat this boss and you'll find guides. This boss mm-hmm. is super easy, super easy to beat with this class. It's like, well, that doesn't help me. I'm not playing <laughs> yeah. that class. This is a video game thing. Gaming. <laughs> like it's such a weird video game trope of like, you know, MMOs are like this too. Like, like the moment you install like final fantasy 14, actually bad example. Cause that's one of the few exceptions, but like world of Warcraft, for example, you have to choose like what character do you want to be for the next 10 years of your life? Like you don't know how they play. You don't know what their like key skills are. You don't know anything like in every role-playing game, they make you pick a class like at, at the title screen. And, and it should totally not be that way. Right? Like you should play the game. Everyone should start at like the same sort of generic class and then choose like where you want to go from there. Right. Would surely be like a better way to design an RPG. And, and some do do that, but not not enough, in my opinion. Well, I guess for World of Warcraft, the culture is, you know, in, in how many alt characters you have. Like, I, I rolled two characters specifically for that reason. And they know that, you know, you'll get it so invested that you'll roll a few characters just to experience it differently. And they have different yeah. starting zones and all that. And they, they give you enough um, character slots that you can have one of each class, actually, which I think is deliberate. But but yeah. even so, like, I, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't need to pick on WoW specifically. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's a weird thing about RPGs where, like, the most important decision you make is the one you make with, like, no context at all before you've even started the game. I guess arguably for Elden Ring, you can start off one way and then because you can spec it, however other way you want, you can kind of morph your character. So like our astrologers might be different when we're 10 hours into the game because of how you expect it versus how I have. There's a little bit of nuance there. That's the draw for me. I think for exactly the reason you mentioned Tina earlier, which is like, I, you know, started as, um, you know, I think it's a, is it a thief? Is that what they're called? Um, stealthy one. Yeah. And, um, I want to use the weapons that I spent a long time going through dungeons to get. Right. So it's like, that's my my next goal. It's the, it's I think it's this class they're showing right here. Um, that's my next goal is to like I want to be able to use the stuff I'm finding instead of like wait until you find like the first dagger upgrade later in the game or something. And so like I want to have a strong thief, which is just basically a warrior at that point. So it's like, you know, yeah. why did I do that? This, well, it has some some weapon class advantages, I guess. But 
There's, there's definitely stuff in these Souls-like games that, you know, we talked on the show last week how my daughter didn't understand, like, why is a heart always representing health? Mm-hmm. Like, and there's just stuff, like, every genre, like, if you're playing an old-school RPG, like, you know, why do the characters just line up on one side and then the other side and take turns hitting each other? It's like, well, that's just how these games are. And, like, Soulsborne's games have a th- have so much about them that's just, like, that's just how these games are. Like, why is everything in this world ready to kill you specifically? Like, yeah. you know, you go into some little field and it's full of flowers and there's some dude in armor that only wants <laughs> to kill you. And that's why he exists. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's not like they do any, any sort of like world building the way that a game like horizon forbidden West does where it feels like there's civilizations, you know, living around here and there are towns and people that you can meet and you have conversations. Eldering isn't like that. So it, it feels like you're in some sort of like weird purgatory or a hell or something, right? Like a, a, a different world, not a world where human beings are living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think that you kind of are like you're in the lands between. Right. But, yeah. um, but, but, you know, they're all like that. Um, there's other stuff like the messages that players can leave you like it, the players that love these games kind of laugh about it like they laugh it off but i don't understand how it's like a good experience when like i read a message and it's like there's a secret treasure ahead and then the next message says that guy's lying and then i'm like okay like how is how is that like a good experience for me playing this this video game yeah yeah i will say for like death stranding when we were playing in the review period where it was just like a handful of journalists and whoever else they send out early codes to. Um, I found that a lot of the like messages and the support structures were really useful. And then of course it gets bombarded <clears throat> once the game opens up a little bit more and like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are playing. Um, then you get a lot of like spammy messages and those just cause people that like want you to drive through their message so that they get points for it. And it just, it definitely creates a different environment. I think, conceptually it's very cool to have players leaving messages and breadcrumbs like that. But yeah, in practice, the internet just cannot be trusted. Can it? That's no, what it down to. That's why we can't have nice messages. I like um, that your horse can double jump. Not enough double jumping horses in video games. <laughs> yeah. I actually do use the horse in this game. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. normally. Good horse. I like, th- there are other things that I like. I like that the game has mm-hmm. the confidence, like, I followed a little guide to uh, travel around the map in this specific way and get like some powerful stuff. Like here's, mm-hmm. you can get some runes. Yeah, here's, you I can get this. Mm-hmm. And like the game has the conf- like, it doesn't stop you. Like it's, it's funny. Like it's this ultra hard, ultra punishing game, but it seems fine with like, Oh yeah, you can just run around that guy and get this, like yeah, get this amazing stuff. Like basically just ride past anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and so you can also that. run away from them if they're yeah. cha- if they if yeah. you've caught their attention and you're not ready for it. Yeah, yeah. The the but like e- even other games would like stop you from like well no you need to be level ten to use this so you need to be and like Elden Ring seems pretty content to like let you break it to the to the degree that you the player want to like yeah mm-hmm. sure you can have the super powerful staff it's fine go ahead mm-hmm. and like that that's that's kind of neat it's interesting like more I feel like more developers kind of want to want to want to gate the player in and stop them from doing things like that that's true like as the astrologer i picked up some shields that they were like and eh, this isn't really for you but it doesn't mean you can't use it so it might slow me down but that's a decision i can make on my part am i willing to slow down my dodges my rolls in favor of having a shield as one yeah. example yeah there's, there's there's other weird stuff like I, I only played it that one evening and i do intend to go back and play more but just 
stuff that fans of these games are so used to that they don't even like clock as like something that's weird or unusual. But like, I have a real problem with how much stuff is mapped to the bottom D-pad. Like my, my magic spell, my wolves are mapped to the bottom D-pad, my mana potion, my health potion. I have a third potion that's all mapped to the bottom D-pad. So it's like half my deaths are just because I have the wrong thing equipped there that I, that I thought I did. Since Halo Infinite, that's been that Halo Infinite, Horizon, and now this mm. all have that issue. Uh, well, actually, D pad menu on the Horizon front. Um, after the last scoop that I was on, because I think I wasn't on last week. Who knows? That was a week ago, so it might as well have been two years ago for me. However, the last time we were talking about Horizon, and I mentioned the D pad issue, um, a few scoopers hit me up and let me know that you can unequip certain items, whatever items you want from your D pad. It's just in a roundabout way. You have to yeah. like press and hold down on the D-pad to where you're like kind of going to construct something and then you can go through a couple menu options to remove them there. So mm-hmm. tip. it's just nice. very like deep in the menus, essentially. Scoop tip. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any problem with game help. Uh, you know, people using guides, walkthroughs, maps, any of that. That's all fine. Uh, but when I set out to play like a, a modern game, a new release down, I don't like I don't have like a guide open right at the start of the game. But in Elden Ring, I feel like this past week, I've used game help more than any game in recent memory in just this one week. So I think you have to. Nice. The game is just like, it's just like <laughs> needlessly <laughs> obtuse and confusing and unfriendly. It's just like, what the, the little, well, the, the guide that's guiding you through the game, it's just guiding you to this boss that's going to one hit kill you. It's like, mm-hmm. you're not going to get anywhere in the game following the end game guide. So I feel like you have to use, go to guide help. And I think that's one of its failings. It, yeah, even on an incremental level, like when you first start and you're picking just the design of your character and the specs of your character, there's like the charm or whatever you can equip, and they're just names. As far as I could tell, you couldn't actually mm-hmm. get, even get a description from them. So I had to use our guide to be like, oh, this <laughs> one gives you an HP boost. Like, definitely picking that one then. Yeah. I, I, it, the thing it reminds me of is, it, this is a weird comparison, is but it's Minecraft, which is an incredibly friendly game that a billion people around the world play, but... Like if you've never played it, the way that you craft things in that game is you have a right. three by three grid. Yeah, yeah. And to to make a pickaxe, you have to put two sticks and then three stones. Then that makes a pickaxe. But the game never, you never get the recipes in the game ever. So the mm-hmm. only way to play that game and learn to make things is um is to use a guide. Like you have to use an out of game resource. Um, which actually it's one of the like the mobile version does not do that. It, the crafting works in a different way, and mm-hmm. so um. Like Elden Ring has a similarish vibe where like, yeah, there's definitely a level of like reward and thrill to like figuring something out on your own. But um, but there's stuff that like you might never you might never get there on your own. Yeah. And from my understanding, a lot of things that people like is when they. They expect to die a bunch of times fighting a boss, but when they do finally beat it. Like that's the the feeling of accomplishment they get is like kind of the whole reason they play the game. And even though I can't beat that first main boss, I've beaten plenty of the other like dungeon bosses and some field bosses. And when I finally do, I don't feel that sense of elation. I feel like, <laughs> well, thank God that's over. I don't ever want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to play more. I'm worried about my astrologer because I'm worried. I'm the the ranged magic and the summons are like a crutch for me, and that I'm never going to get good. Right? Like, because I did. I did beat that first boss on my third or fourth try, but again, I was never in his face at all. I just stood back yeah. the whole time, and I'm like, Maybe I don't feel like I'm. 
Maybe, but like, I don't feel like I'm developing the skills that are going to take me through the next like 80 hours of this game. Like, I almost want to like re-roll into a class that's going to like force me to actually learn the game systems and parrying and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Right. The time being, I'm having so much fun in Cyberpunk that I'm, I'm happy to let <laughs> Elden Ring sit. Um, just a couple more things. I'm not crazy about the stamina meter. I know you can level it up, so it's uh, less annoying later on, but I just... I think the game would be a lot more fun to me if there just wasn't a stamina meter. Aloy can run forever in Horizon Forbidden West, and that feels great. And I know how we were complaining that Aloy still can't climb quite everything in Horizon, but you can't climb anything in Elden Ring, and that feels... It, it makes an open-world game today feel a little bit dated, I think. Uh, and also, it needs the hang glider. The hang glider from either Breath of the Wild or Horizon. When you're up, <laughs> when you're up high, you can just glide down. That would make the you game can, more fun. You can drop like a rock in this game. <laughs> Yeah, you can actually fall pretty far yeah. and survive. Yeah. yeah. But oh, I don't think so. Straight down. Yeah, because you know the first tutorial is like walk off the edge of this. Yeah. The fall damage is funny because it's either like you're fine or you're gonna take damage or right. you're instantly you're, dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> the range at which you take damage is very tiny. If you die from fall damage, which hasn't happened to me, does that um does that place the ruins at the bottom of the cliff? Uh, I, that it happened doesn't. to me once. It doesn't, it, they're, actually. They're at, the, they're at the top of the cliff. Yeah, which I found out the hard way. I ran back to the bottom <laughs> and it's like, what the... F <laughs> but I do appreciate how That's they do let you... Answer. How you can fast travel to any uh, site of mm -hmm. whatever. Save, yeah. Safe site. That's nice. It's so fun. There's, there's, there's so much in there that's actually incredibly player friendly. Like yeah. you can fast travel to one of the save points and you don't even have to be at a save point. You can just do yeah. it anytime you can open a map and fast travel. And I'm like, damn, like there's plenty of like games that are really yeah. empowering that don't let you do that. Yep. Um, you can fast travel back to like your main base, like hub area as well. Um, which I don't want to spoil cause it's a little ways into the game. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's so there's some stuff like that that's like oddly friendly to the player. Mm. The fact that you can respec, you know, some games are, are a little bit more shy about letting you do stuff like that. Anyway, that was my week with Elden Ring. Uh, I it's <laughs> so to summarize, like said, Damon's really, really happy that you all like Dark Souls, and yeah. the pause button is un unforgivable. The pause button is unforgivable. Yeah, I liked I liked your idea for a, a headline for this episode. So oh, yeah. Something yeah, that's like, what it was. We're glad you're enjoying Elden Ring, Dark Souls fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I look forward to getting back to Horizon Forbidden West, which, Sam, I hear you you have completed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I beat it uh, a couple days ago, you know, to procrastinate so <laughs> I didn't have to go back to Elden Ring which I feel like I must do because it got a 10 and I want to make sure I'm up to date with all the critical successes. Um, uh, but uh, uh, I really liked, you know, this, this kind of um, late game twist in transportation, which is amazing. It is amazing what happens in that game and how next gen it feels and how cool it is. So my also whole very late game, very late game, like it's, right up until the last mission. I mean, I had, I had like tons of side quests I could be doing and mm. stuff like that I could be using, and it'd be much easier with this, you know. Definitely. But, Damon, what was your question? What's, after you beat it, can you go back and do stuff yeah. in the open world? Yep, it drops yeah. you in there. It's like do whatever you want now, even yeah, though cool. some of these side quests won't make sense. You can still totally do them. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Uh, but yeah, I, I love it so much, and it, it, it's on par with like how much I liked 
and I always I was complaining about this before, right? Because I hadn't gotten to this part. How much I liked the transportation or just kind of movement change in Halo. Like that was through the whole game, though. Whereas this one is at the very end of the game. So it's like that's that's you know not as cool, but in the end, like I thought it was great. And then like how it plays out, and how it looks, and how it feels. It's like holy crap! Like I can't believe they they built this game to accommodate this. So there's that, which is really cool. And then I do like the there's an introduction of um uh and, you know an outside uh. A set of villains that's like so much more interesting than the tribal warfare and stuff from the beginning of the game mm-hmm. um and, and that thread like where that goes it's actually really short there's not a lot of it but it's really cool and i like that part too so everything comes together and then the game i really uh d- worked hard in doing a lot of like weapon building and stuff and like i kind of like rolled through the end of the game because of that like the game you know became easy but like <clears throat> there was you know robot dinosaurs that were still incredibly hard for me to farm especially let alone kill and i love that i did all the cauldrons too by the way and those those go pretty tough yeah this episode of game scoop is brought to you by nord vpn as scoop nation knows your omega cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called weekend at bernie's lately but as happens too often these days it is difficult to find it streaming here in the u.s that's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Tina, it sounds like you finished it also. I did, yeah, and I, I, it's funny because I put so many hours into it. Uh, I think it was I clocked in at like 72 or something by the end, and I'd done almost every single side quest obviously the entire main story as well. Um, I left some cauldrons and some random errands and whatnot. And I think I was still only around like 55% completion. So that gives you a good mm-hmm. idea of just how much there is to do. Goodness. And yeah, I think the end game is um, enjoyable because of that uh, modification in transportation, that very next gen, because I agree it feels very next gen in that sense, but a little bit late in the game. Like I, I wish maybe I knew about that in advance so that I would have mm-hmm. saved some side quests until the end, until I'd gotten there. But Still, like, towards the end, was still really enjoying farming a lot of the the robo-dinosaurs for upgrades to my weapons. I got really attached to upgrading all of my weapons. That in itself is a whole game. So I was playing that towards the end quite a bit, too. And the weapon upgrades make a difference. Like, you start tearing into dinosaurs. It's really fun. And, like, the bolt caster, you know, when you, like, match up the right you know, damage modifier to the enemy and then just like let it rip. It's fully upgraded. It's like, whoa, like I'm killing this thing so fast that I'm not going to get the resources I need off of it. So I would like carefully preserve the life of the enemy (laughs) until I tore everything off. And then I just like 
completely destroy it. Like it just feels so can, good. You can upgrade your weapons to specialize <clears throat> and tear damage, which makes that whole process really easy. And if you get familiar with weapon techniques, because I wasn't using it so much early on in the game, I just kept forgetting that they existed. And I'm now at the point where I've leveled up so much that I have almost every single skill on every single skill tree unlocked for me. So I started getting used to the weapon techniques and they actually come in really big handy and diversify how you're how you're doing combat. And it just keeps making it really thrilling. Seeing those parts fly off is like one of the most satisfying things. They kind of make like a ding, ding, ding when it hits the ground. I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. I got it. (laughs) So, Tina, how would you measure uh, Horizon uh, against other like recent open world games? Um, it's definitely not my favorite because I just did not connect with the story or the characters all that much. Mm. And I kept feeling like I wish it either went more in the Mass Effect direction where your companions were a little Ooh. bit more meaningful and your home base was more meaningful. That's a good point. Or that it had co-op um, along the lines of like, not that I, I didn't put enough hours into Dying Light 2 and I intend on playing a little bit more still, but I, I like that it has the option of cooperative play so that all of the like narrative stuff feels a little less glaring because you're it's at least you know you've got companionship while you're playing and it's mm-hmm. a totally different vibe at that point yeah yeah i look forward to getting back into it I've, I've still just been doing side quests not pushing the story forward and i feel no i, I haven't started getting bored with it at all which is really uh, unusual like last year far cry 6 and just somewhere along the way i just sort of got bored and decided i'd had enough and i've not reached that point yet with horizon well maybe do push forward so you get that thing that we're talking about well actually yeah maybe that's a good point And then do the side quest. Okay. Yeah, I recommend that. I think it'd be really fun to do it that way. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Zach Frey did. And he says, given all the buzz about Elden Ring and these surrounding conversations about difficulty and accessibility, I was wondering if game demos and trials need to be brought back. In the 360 and PS3 era, almost every game had a demo. Most recently, the next-gen console launches of Cyberpunk 2077 had a five-hour trial. This is a good way to see if a game runs well and if the content meshes with what you're looking for. Elden Ring is getting high scores around the board, across the board, I think he means, and I know some who have purchased based on this, not realizing there are no difficult accessibility options. Difficulty accessibility options. I think developers should be able to do what they want with the game. I agree. Uh, but should game demos and trials come back so that the consumer can get a sense of what type of gameplay challenge or technical performance they will be spending their money on? Well, from a, the gamer's perspective, there's no downside. Could be a downside to, from the publishers and developers side. Yeah, particularly because even when we do previews, you know, they, they always try to pick mm-hmm. a slice of the game that's going to be representative, that doesn't get too much into spoilery territory. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's so much to balance in terms of do we want this like two hour long, four hour, even 10 hour long demonstration being the stand in for, for people's opinion around, around the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, you know, trailers exist and multiple preview opportunities exist and interviews exist. So you get, you know, a, a sort of well-rounded scope of, of information so you can make a decision for yourself. But yeah, for the, for gamers <clears throat> getting a chance to, to test something out before you commit might even help you discover something you wouldn't have played before. I think that's the mm-hmm. biggest advantage of developers. Mm-hmm. It's like, if it's if something is free, you're going to get more people interested just by virtue of it being free, and then you might convert people over who w- wouldn't have otherwise played your game. Yeah. Justin, doesn't um, Steam have a, a solution for this? Can't you just get a refund in any game within 48 hours? Y- yeah, no. Well, maybe it's 48 hours. I thought it was two hour, under two hours of game time. You could okay. get a refund on any okay. game. So, gotcha. But I, I, it's not intended to be like demo any game for two hours. It's intended to be like, 
it's a customer service thing. Like, hey, I really, yeah. really hated it or it didn't run on my machine or whatever. So if you have under two hours of game time, you can get a refund. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's intended to be like, what would happen if you were trying to do that for the 10th time? If Steam Got customer it. support would be like, yo, no more. But that is, <laughs> that is an option for PC games. Yeah. Got it. Confirming it's two hours within 14 days of purchase. Okay, two hours. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, I think I two, hours two hours is enough time to know if a game is going to be for you or not. Sam, okay. did you end up checking out that Kirby demo? I did. I'll get to that in a second. Um, okay. uh, I, I uh, noticed some discussion about people buying Elden Ring <laughs> and then, you know, being not into it and returning it. And I couldn't tell, you know, in digital stores, like what the policies are like. And I, I'm actually really curious about that, especially about you know, what we were just talking about with steam and their rules. And, you know, if that is a good substitute or could be a good substitute for demoing, you can absolutely buy a retail game and return it, you know, like you can buy a disc and, and return it no matter what. Like, I, I don't think there's any penalty for that. It's just return it. Um, which is cool. Uh, I think uh, that's not a good substitute for demos, though. I really like the convenience and the short downloads of most demos. And like, and I think it's really great. I, um, one thing that I think demos can do that's really special is like offer you either like the progress in the game. So it carries mm-hmm. over. I really like that, you know, so you don't mm-hmm. have to redo it. And then I also really like when they offer something completely different. So mm-hmm. Resident Evil uh, uh, Maiden was really, really cool for uh, Resident Evil 8 oh, yeah. um, for Village, I mean. Oh, uh, it's like a, it's like its own thing, but it kind of shows you the vibe of the game. You're just escaping a dungeon, mm-hmm. you know, as like a different character. Uh, obviously, PT is like incredible as like a, you know a demo of like what this game that never came out is going to be like. Um, I love stuff like that. I like it also. Like I know people probably don't like this as much, but at least it's free. But when it unlocks something that gives me an advantage in the final game, maybe too. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, if you play the demo, you get this you know cool like extra gun or something like. Give me a reason mm-hmm. to do it. Um, I think that's all great. I, I love when demos used to come with, you know, when Crackdown came with the Halo demo or when, you know, the demo disc uh, uh, for Metroid Prime came in the Wind Waker. Disc, however, I, I forget mm-hmm. what the order of operations was there, but I used to love that stuff. And of course, the PlayStation 1 demo discs, beloved. Everybody loved those. Oh, yeah. Also, apparently Xbox has the same refund policy as mm-hmm. Steam and Sony has a similar one, but they say if you've started the download or if you've streamed the purchase content, you're not eligible after 14 if you've or, streamed yeah, it. at all. What do you mean? Yeah, I'm guessing that means like playing the download. it or yeah. So if you've downloaded the game or stream, I guess they use the word stream because you could also possibly buy a movie on the PlayStation store. Ah, kind of thing. ah, okay. So there's this 14 days, but you can't have started or downloaded anything. Mm-hmm. Xbox is 14 days under two hours. Steam is 14 days under two hours. So the, the, the Sony um, policy doesn't let you actually try the game. It doesn't, it doesn't sound, sound like, it. like it. Yeah. This is based on a quick Google, a live Google. I've looked at their policy pages right now. It's a live <laughs> I, Google. I, I yeah. love the, the, the era that the, that the, whoever wrote in this question is referring to in the 360, where it was mandatory. Every game had to have a demo. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. Like, you know, Tina's points super valid about like not the opening of the game isn't always the best like it's anxiety inducing for developers. Like maybe they'd rather show a better representative sample, you know, chunk of time from like the middle of the game. Like, you know, I don't know, like the opening of cyberpunk is very dialogue heavy, for example. Um, But it was so fun and it felt so modern and futuristic, like the Xbox 360 with the first console Mm -hmm. that I can think of that you didn't just, you know, slam a cart into a console and then the game started. Like it had an experience outside of the game, like a UI and, um, 
the first console I had that had a hard drive, um, downloading game demos, you know, buying Xbox Live Arcade games. Like it was totally a part of like this vision. It felt futuristic in a way that yeah. I, I'm not sure has been completely recaptured. It was great. And it was great. It, but occasionally, like I downloaded the demo of Rockstar Table Tennis. And I think the demo just lets you play a match like you can, but like it's not timed or anything. And so I never had to buy the game. <laughs> like you can just play just, you know, it was like sometimes the demos can be a little bit too generous, I think maybe. Yeah. Wow. Well, look at that B-roll. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. That was How was that ready wow. to go? B-roll. That was an incredible. Um, the, uh, I, I did play a demo this week. I downloaded the Kirby and the Forgotten Worlds. Is that the name mm-hmm. of the game? Demo. And um, especially because there was a lot of confusion about what that game was. And, uh, you know, speculation right here on this show that hopefully that it would be kind of like an Odyssey-like or Mario Odyssey-like or an open world Kirby or something like that. Um, I, uh, our preview went up this week. Mark Medina did an awesome preview for this game. Check it out. It really explains what it, the game is all about. But of course I wanted to see if it was still for me, which is a good reason to have a demo. So he described it. Um, and I, I chatted with him about this as like a super Mario 3d world kind of, you know, where there's like a level you get through it, but there's a bunch of secrets it. in it, but it's not open. You know, it's, it. it's just kind of like get through this level. It's kind of like a, you know, a version of the 2d Kirby's. So, um, for me, that meant that like, well, how are things hidden? How are, you know, how secret are things? How, you know, is the combat fun in any way? And so I wanted the demo to be able to answer that. And, you know, there's like three levels and a boss and you can, it's kind of funny. <laughs> the, the, the modes are called like, um, there's one like lighthearted mode and then a mode called wild mode, which you can play any level in, which is like, you know, the hard mode that has more mm-hmm. risk, more reward. But it's still like, I mean, the levels I played, it was very easy you know you just get through eat things spit them out at other things collect coins um but yeah i just i really appreciate having this demo i'm on the fence about you know with this in this case like i need to read the review now because like i want to know what the late game is like and like where it goes but like if it was just what i've heard in the preview just what i saw in the demo that's like enough for me to say like this, this is really pretty actually what they're showing here when i played this part in person i was like whoa I can't believe how good Kirby looks, except for Kirby himself. He just looks like a pink idiot. Aww. But, um, <laughs> but these little floofs, they look floofy. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, this, there's like, I, I like having all of these options to make my decision about whether I'm going to play this game. In conclusion, have you made your decision? Well, I would definitely not play it based on this. But I'm saying, if it gets a really <laughs> high review score, I would like to play okay. it. Okay. So the demo doesn't necessarily help in this case. Well, no, I was saying it. So it's the mix. It's the preview mm-hmm. got me interested. Mm-hmm. The demo right. meant right. like, is this a Sammy it's game? Whole life cycle. And yeah. then if the review, if it gets a good score, then I'm all in because like what I've played so far is like, I don't hate it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then other thing about demos are kind of modern workaround is just subscription programs. Totally. Like Game Pass, you get to just yeah, try sure. games for effectively yeah. free as long as you're sure. subscribed. Yeah, of course. Uh, part of my procrastinating after I played this and a bunch of Horizon was also I just started playing Ocarina of Time uh, wow. because you know it's on the downloadable uh, you know, portion of the E whatever you know and well, uh, you got to stay relevant to the yeah. game conversation. I just did that last obviously. night. I was like, oh, I'm going to play Elden Ring after I finish this Kirby demo, and then I was like, oh, but I want to see what because we were talking about the emulation, you know. So I got into Ocarina of Time like two hours. <laughs> it was great. Speaking of Ocarina of Time, that could not have appeared in the 1994 Electronic Gaming Monthly's oh uh, Game of the Year Awards, but maybe they were talking about rumors about the next Zelda game at that point. So let's go ahead and bring that up. I'm uh, Red. I'm going to share my screen over in Discord. Got it. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> 
Uh, first off, an ad for a couple Sega CD games, Panic and Side Pocket Special Edition. Sam, is this, is this the special edition of the NES pool game Side Pocket? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. I remember walking past this in the rental section many times. I was like, why would I want to play pool in, on a video game? Well, I played Side Pocket on an NES and I liked it. But it says the you most were like, fun. You were like a little 45 year old, though, as a kid. A little 45-year-old. Yeah, you're playing yeah. hockey games, snooker, all this weird stuff. <laughs> Taboo. I played Taboo. The terror Taboo, card game. Yeah. It says the most fun you've had with your CD since you learned those suckers could fly. And I don't think that was a thing. I don't think people yeah. were throwing their CDs around. That sounds dangerous. The letter from the editor is insane. Because uh, he's... He, well, I'll read it for you. But listen to how insane... This is, you know, he's supposed to be like a, a voice of authority in the video game <laughs> space. This is what he says. Have you picked out the next game system that you want to buy? If you have, help me out as I haven't a clue as to who will rule in 1995. It used to be so simple. Either the Sega Genesis or Nintendo's Super Nintendo. Now the list of new systems is literally longer than my arm. No, it isn't. Literally. <laughs> Having a range of systems to choose from isn't necessarily bad, but the new ones are just way too expensive. Wasn't it just last year when we had a 16-bit price war between Nintendo and Sega to see who could get under $90 first? Never again. Now with the 3DO just breaking $400, the Neo Geo CD topping $450, and the Saturn and PlayStation approaching $500, the good old days are apparently long gone and gone forever. Wait a second. <laughs> what? You got something? What? I just don't think either of those consoles were close to $500, were they? We, you can Google it while, I'm, while I read. How are the new system <laughs> prices going to affect gaming? Don't expect any of the new systems to sell a million units anytime soon. Since all of the new systems, except the 32X, are out of the range of impulse buying, sales are going to be slow, very slow. Mom is not going to just run out and buy a Saturn for Johnny once she knows that it is going to cost over $400. So what? With no one dominant system in the marketplace, game developers aren't going to be very anxious to spend a lot of R&D time to create a game for a system that may not be around next year. Also, with fewer high-end systems in the homes, any game that comes out won't sell huge numbers. Smaller sales figures mean higher game prices. Fortunately, most of the new games will be CDs, and the lower production prices will keep game prices about the same as they are now. The jump from cart to CD had to happen sooner or later, and it looks like 1995 will be the year that it happens. The only question that remains is which system to buy. I, for one, don't want to make a $500 mistake. Will the 3DO catch on? How about the CDI? Will it get the recognition that it deserves? Or how about the Jaguar? Can Atari produce enough games to keep the players' interest? The Saturn and PlayStation are certainly getting a lot of ink in the magazines, but will they have the games that the U.S. players will want? And what about Nintendo? They've been very quiet. Will their new cartridge compression technology be able to compete in a CD market? Then there are the long shots. Can the NEC FX or Pioneer Laser Active break away from the crowd and succeed in an overcrowded market? Any ideas? No, That's how it ends. So he's like super negative and down on new consoles launching. And then he's just like, he has no idea what's going on. He's supposed to be he, like, he like simultaneously has a lot of ideas, but also doesn't, which is confusing. I'm, I mean, I think as an op-ed of like, Hey, things are really complicated and mm. confusing now. Like, I think he's being a voice for the yeah. consumer of like, Oh, like it's, it's hard to know what I should spend my money on. Yes. Damon, which, it's a rhetorical device of, you know, oh, okay. expressing sure. the confusion of the, of the consumer. I'm sure I, lo that's what's I looked it up, by the way. And to be fair, the consoles weren't out yet, so he was making a prediction. But the Saturn launched at $400, and the PS1 was $300. So, But the there 3DO was $500, right? Or more. It was crazy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, their interactive game, is cool, too. <clears throat> game of the year, 1994, was Donkey Kong Country. Ooh. Mm -hmm. 
That was surprising. Game yeah, of the Year, all systems. What's it's that surprising thing? that it's not a f- fighting game after the previous two years being all about the, well, the, the fighting games. They may have a comment on that, Sam, in just a couple pages. I Let's bet. See. I remember this time. Their Genesis Game of the Year was Earthworm Jim. <laughs> well, <laughs> a little surprising. It's yeah, just yeah. not as fondly remembered today. Well, neither is Donkey Kong Country. Oh, no. I think Donkey Kong Country is. I don't want to get into it. I don't want the comments. Okay. Okay. I don't think. I don't think people universally think the gameplay is like incredible, right? In yeah, Donkey Kong right. Country. Yeah, people think that game is <clears throat> is you know quote unquote overrated for what it was. Well, it's hard. I it's hard to play now. It's yeah. it's it's slippy, sloppy platforming. Like you it, know, it it's really pretty. It has great music, but like I don't think I don't think anybody would say it's like mm-hmm. a platforming great. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. Are we gonna get weird comments now? I'm like worried <laughs> yes. about it. I'm yes. sure we will. Uh, let's see. Sega CD Game of the Year, Ground Zero Texas, 3DO was Road Rash, Neo Geo, King of Fighters 94. The Jaguar Game of the Year was Atari's Tempest 2000. I don't know how many oh, yeah. there were to, to choose from. Uh, the Game Boy Game of the Year was Donkey Kong 94, obviously. That's actually one yeah. of the greatest games of all time. I mean, talk about then, a good Donkey Kong good. game. I know. And then on Game Gear, the Game of the Year was Bubble Bobble, which would be 10 years old at this point. Yeah, that's cool. I bet it's great on Game Gear. I mean... It's just a little bit sad for the game year, I think. If that's the best game that was released this year, this 10-year-old arcade port. Uh, the CDI game of the year was Burn Cycle. I just can't believe they gave a game of the year award to CDI. Uh, the best fighting game was King of Fighters 94. The best shooter was R-Type 3. Cool. Which, was that a Super Nintendo yeah. exclusive? It didn't go into arcades, right? Oh, uh, I don't know if it was in arcades. I doubt it. I mean, not in the United States, at least. I mean, if it was, it would be hard to find, right? The best action game was Super Metroid. Yeah, but it's, not the best SNES game, which is interesting. That was Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, right. That is interesting. I think Super Metroid is more fondly remembered today. Oh, yeah. Uh, it says about Super Metroid, this is one of those games that will keep you up way past your bedtime. Take it from the folks at EGM. Play this game and play it hard. Super Metroid is a winner. <laughs> the best sports game was NBA Jam. The best driving game was Road Rash. NBA best. Jam was like a cultural phenomenon. I'm surprised it wasn't getting more accolades, but maybe it's because it had some... Versions out the year before in the arcade. I can't remember. Yeah. <clears throat> and then they give awards specifically to the Japanese market. So the best Japanese shooter was Macross Scrambled Valkyrie. Best Japanese RPG was Final Fantasy VI. Um, the best uh, action game in Japan was Dracula X. Sam cool. may have some words to say about that. No, no. Well, yeah, that, that, that's the SNES that's version. The, but this wait, is the wait. PC engine. Wait yeah, a yeah. second. Hold yeah, up. The, what, so they have best RPG, Square of Japan's Final Fantasy VI. Best music, Squaresoft's Final Fantasy three. Yeah, that's insane. So, the same game, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. They give two music awards: one to Cartridge and one to CD, because like it wouldn't have been fair. Yeah, cartridges and CD music against each other. Yep. So Final Fantasy three won best music on a cartridge, and Road Rash won best music on a CD. Mm-hmm. And it's a Soundgarden music in a video game. Yep, that's Road Rash. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Sparkster. Had the best sound effects. <laughs> and I don't, how would you, how would you, of all like 16 bit platformers that were released that year? Maybe it was sampling or something. I gotta get a copy Sparkster. of that game. Um, best animation, Donkey Kong Country. Worst movie to game, Cliffhanger. The yep, Sil- that was bad. Slow movie. I played the Sega uh, CD version. It says, Stallone is going to kill us. The dubious award of worst movie to game goes to Sony ImageSoft's Cliffhanger, whereas the movie was action-packed and exciting. The game it is based on is fairly unspectacular. No, the movie's not based on the game. That's not how that works. 
<laughs> Best movie to game, Super Return of the Jedi. Best game duo, Donkey and Diddy Kong. I feel like that's the kind of award you don't give out every year. Unless there's actually a good duo. Mm -hmm. The best ad was something for Equinox. I don't, they don't even show the full ad. I know the Equinox game. It's like the isometric sort of puzzle platformer on Super Nintendo, but I don't know what the ad is. And here you go, Sam. Most appalling trend. Too many fighting games. Oh, the proliferation. Yeah. If King of Fighters 94 won an award, you know that there was between heights. A disturbing overabundance of fighting games. Let's start marketing some games without people throwing fireballs. No deal. The trick of the year was the, uh, the Akuma codes in Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo in the arcade. Mm-hmm. Those are cool. Which is just what? To put Akuma in the game? Yeah. yeah. Or how to, or how to reach him, how to fight him. Yeah. And then for home systems, the trick of the year was uh, the fireball trick in Mega Man X. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's, the, it's the Ryu. Combo. Yeah, it's got Hadouken. a Hadouken in it. Yeah. And I didn't know this. It says it will, it will totally destroy the boss with one hit. Use it against a boss in the game. I didn't know that. The most anticipated release at the time was World Combat 2. The grossest character, Boogerman. Again, Mm -hmm, an award you probably don't give out every year. I would give it to Earthworm Jim. (laughs) I don't know. Boogerman's pretty gross. Mm -hmm. He is pretty gross. Worst system launch was Atari's Jaguar. Strangest game, Aggressors of Dark Combat. Never heard of it. This game is weird. When you play a fighting game with moves called the Friendly Duo Consolidated Punch or the Jealousy Bomber, you know you're in for a strange experience. I bet if we played the game today, it wouldn't feel that strange. <laughs> Let's see. They give a rundown of all the systems uh, that are out at the time and their specs. I wanted to what was I wanted to say something about one of these games. I don't remember what, what I wanted to say here. Are they all in Cheetos? <laughs> they look yeah. What are they on? It looks like they're on, or like on. Buttered popcorn? I don't know. I don't, popcorn. I don't like it. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> and they rate all the systems of 1995. So they still love the Super Nintendo, three nines oh, wow. and an eight. Not crazy about the Sega CD. Straight fives for the oh. Sega CD. I know. Uh, a six and three fours for the Jaguar. They like the 32X though. Three eights and a seven. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They don't like the Game Boy anymore. Three mm. fives and a seven. Oh, but that's this is pre-Pokemon, I think. Yep. Yeah, I guess it'd be like a year before Pokemon, right? Two years. Yeah. Um, and then the, they kind of like, they're split on the Philips CDI. One person gave it an eight. The CDI has finally come of age. The games coming out are simply incredible. Burn Cycle, Dragon's Lair, Space Ace. So again, two 10-year-old arcade, <laughs> arcade games. <laughs> and I don't even know this laser active console. But it got, it's awesome. It is? Three, four, no, three, four, no, no, it's, it's really stupid, but it's like an overlay of graphics over CD-ROM uh, footage. So like you can you know, envision like, you know, crosshairs while like the ground is going past, but the ground is like, you know, either film or like bad CG. It's kind of like Super cool. Shark type stuff. The NES got straight twos. Oh. All twos <laughs> for the NES. What's the point of that? Who is that serving? I know. I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't think too many I mean, people are looking to buy an NES. Well, Nintendo was marketing it, I think, is the point. Yeah. You know, they have I guess there's a there's an argument to be made of like, no, like if you're a like, mom, don't buy your kid the NES in 1994. I mean, the Master System's definitely kicking while they're down. They didn't miniaturize the Master System in 1994. Um. And then even the Amiga CD, like another system I'm not familiar with, got rated higher than the NES. Three twos and a three for that one. Anyway, that was 
1995 Buyer's Guide of EGM, which included their Game of the Year awards for 1994. And now we need to do a lightning round of 20 questions. I have an Uber picking me up in exactly 11 minutes. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> Our suggestion this week comes from Alberto Lopez from Kansas City, Missouri. It says, can my son Sebastian get a shout out? His nickname is Bash. He's two years old. Shout out to Bash. Hey, Bash. Shout out to Bash. Hi, Bash. Hey, Bash. And I think, uh, what's that? I, you know, I was just going to say, if we run out the clock and you have to get up and leave, I think we win. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Okay. With that said, let the questioning begin. Right. Could this have been in that EGM magazine? No, it could not. Is this game on the Nintendo Switch? Yes. Is this a platform exclusive? No. It's part of a series? No. Made in Japan? No. That's five. Is it a game? game? That's what I was going to say. I I heard you. Did you ask if if it's an indie game? Yes. Okay. One off indie game. Was it really well received? Yes. Should we narrow down your genre? Is this. Is this game action oriented? Yes. Was this game developed and like released originally released in the last five years? Um, yeah, that's when well, the, the Switch is five years old. If that's <clears throat> helpful. Yes, mm-hmm. last five years. Did it come to PC first? Um. Like, was it initially available only on PC? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, like, did it launch on PC, I guess, and then come to other platforms? Well, um, you know, it can launch on PC and other platforms and then come to so, other platforms. So just think about yeah, how, you, oh, how to answer that yeah. question. Did, this, yeah, so did it this? launch on PC only first? Is that what you're asking? No, I kind of want to ask, did it come to Switch after other systems? Yes, it did. And that's okay. 10. Okay, cool. so it was like a port that, that came over to Switch. I don't know, like Stardew Valley. Although, no, wait, it's an action-oriented game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hades. Does this, does this game um, have pixel art? No. Does Hades? It doesn't, right? No. I don't think it is Hades, because I think we've had it on here before, but uh, I'm just trying to... Yeah. Um, uh, where to go? Does this have multiplayer? Yes. Oh. Multiplayer action game. Well, weird. Okay. Um, Is this, are you you punching and kicking things in this game? No. (laughs) It's not a brawler. It's not River City Girls. Maybe Rocket Rocket League or something like that. That game might be, that game's over five years old. Yeah. But yeah, you must be shooting things, right? In that case. Are you shooting things in this game? Yes. Okay. Multi shooty. Multi shooty. Multi shooty indie. On on the switch indie. It's weird. Yeah, it is a little weird. Oh man. Not made in Japan. Although I can't there's not that many of them anyway. And well received. Did we ask that? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> Came uh, to the Switch later, but is on the Switch. As did many games. Right. 
Um, Maybe setting. We haven't done a setting question in a really yeah. long time. I was going to say like sci-fi, sci-fi or real or... world. Or... Let's do it. Is this a fantasy? Wait, should I lump in fantasy and sci-fi into one? Yes. I don't think at, I would. Well, okay, sure. Is this a fantasy and or sci-fi setting? Yes. That's 15. Okay. It's gotta be. It's gotta be sci-fi if it's a shooty. <clears throat> I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't gotta be. Yeah. Yeah. What about gauntlet? If yeah. it's all of this. Yeah, or the, the except for it can't be this. It can't be like Towerfall because that has pixel art, but like something like that. What question are we on? That you've asked fifteen questions. Oh boy! Do you that. shoot people? Are your enemies people? No. Okay. So creatures. Could it be oh, zombos? I was gonna say it's not even like Overwatch or something. Ugh. Um, sci-fi or fantasy game where you're shooting things. It's got multiplayer, not shooting humans. Sci-fi or fantasy. Just said that. So maybe aliens. Could it be a right. licensed game? Is there any <clears throat> to that? That's probably a waste of a question this far. In. Okay. Well, we don't know. Are you in like like maybe you're in a spaceship? Yeah, what if it's like um, the most popular games on the world right now? Like, uh, what's it called? What's the spaceship game that everybody plays? My mind is online. No, no, uh, the Among Us type stuff. Oh, yeah. Although you don't shoot people in Among Us. Although that does fit the bill in regards to coming to Switch later and so on and so forth. Uh. Or what's what's the what's the other very popular streamy indie game from the last five years. Um, it's not among us. It's not the, it's not like a game like that. It's like the action one where you're you know, falling and fall guys. Oh yeah, but you don't shoot things. In fall guys. Yeah. Well, we've got three questions and a guess, and we've got to wrap it up. Oh, wow. Uh, <clears throat> it, was this at any point, a very popular streaming game? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't follow the world of streaming. Okay, so I can't answer is, it. Is this game like multiplayer only, or like heavily considered like very much a multiplayer focused game? Mm, I'll say yes. But that was like a probably soft like yes. Pre- mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's still probably like the predominant way people play it is what I'm picking up. Is it like a Halo e FPS that's not Halo? <laughs> is it? Like, a, yeah, I know. Yeah, there's there a is. Date. Yeah, and in, Infinite or not Infinite? But I don't think it was that's... called. Uh, the one that the Halo team did also, like last year. That's pretty obscure, though. <clears throat> Marathon. Destiny. It is, should we just ask if it's a first-person shooter? It's an indie game, though. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The time pressure is stressing me out. I know, seriously. <laughs> is this a first-person shooter? No. Uh, one question and a guess. Okay, so we're not going to get it, so let's just make the best of this time. Let's just go with Hades. <laughs> Even <laughs> yeah. though it's absolutely yeah, not. We, did we mention <laughs> this game yet? No, you haven't. Okay. Uh, Shall I reveal the now game? Now we can't even go with yeah. Hades. Yeah, 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 In the yeah, interest yeah. of time, yeah. it is Cuphead. Oh. Uh, five years? Cuphead. So it would have been technically. No, no, the other yeah. way. Oh, Rip. my yeah. goodness. Heavily played as a co-op shooter. Yeah, I started yeah. that show. Yeah. It's, all, it's all right. Yeah. Well, 
Nicely job. Uh, thank you to Alberto Lopez from Kansas City, oh. Missouri. One more shout out to Bash. And uh, that's all the scoops that we have for this week. Sorry, we ran out of time. Tina's going to be taking care of you for the next two episodes, and then I'll be back uh, with the vengeance. So uh, thank you, Tina. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Red working behind the scenes. My name is Damon. This is IGN Games. And we're out. You missed my show and tell. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.